Paul Pierce hits a low point with the Boston Celtics. Vin Baker arrives, and Whit Grosbeck buys the team. It's the Thursday Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. John Corrales here of MassLive.com welcoming you back to another episode of the Locked On Celtics Podcast and thanking you for making this show part of your daily routine. Still here for you Monday through Friday. Occasionally, occasionally, once in a while, something will come up, life will get in the way, and maybe there's not a Monday show or something, but generally here for you Monday through Friday and very much appreciative of you making the show part of your daily routine. This show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the code Locked On for $10 off your first purchase of the most delicious protein bar on the market. It's BuiltBar.com. The promo code is Locked On for $10 off your first purchase. We continue along in the 2000s. We are taking a lot of time, a little extra time here, because the Paul Pierce era is really in earnest Uh we're, we're about to have the end of the Antoine Walker era, and Paul Pierce is really the budding star here. He's the future of this team, but things aren't going great for Paul Pierce. Uh, he hits, after a, a great beginning, he kind of hits a little roadblock, and that's where we're going to pick this up. 2002, after his big performance and the big comeback win in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Celtics go from these overachievers to now, Paul Pierce starts to hit some bumps in the road. So I'm going to continue the conversation here with Chuck McKenney and Mike Dinan of RedsArmy.com. So, okay, so 2002, this, the season ends, okay, not the way the Celtics want it to, but it, it kind of comes out of nowhere that the, the Celtics, I don't recall, and, and my memory is kind of crappy, so I, I don't recall the Celtics being seen as a team that would go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like that, that much like the, the, the recent surprise Celtics trip to the Eastern Conference Finals was, you know, you're like, wow, this, this could be something. This could mean something. And so Paul Pierce is riding this high. Uh, 2002, he's an all-star. He's he's now selected for the FIBA World Championships being played in Indy. The things this is things start to really go south in a hurry. Thing things really uh, crater for Paul Pierce. Because this FIBA World Championships is suddenly this first time a Team USA completely fails in international competition. Now, Pierce, for all of his success, has a bit of a reputation. Like, we now look back at Paul Pierce and say, 
wow, you know, what a, what a career, what a hall of fame level career and, and all of that stuff. And I know in a later episode, Mike has a rant about Paul Pierce and how he's perceived amongst uh, uh, others. But in 2002, Paul Pierce has come off his, his first all-star season. He's averaged 25 points and then 26 points. He's, he's played 82 straight games. He's, one of the reasons why the Celtics surprisingly get to the conference finals. And, but at the same time, I don't think in Boston that his reputation is stellar. The, the league, as I've alluded to in past episodes, the league doesn't have the best reputation necessarily. This is the, this is the era of the, um, the, the dress code gets instituted around here. I remember, I remember for, was it Joe Forte that was on the bench in, uh, like a Lakers jersey or something? You guys remember that? <laughs> yeah. 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 He did it. He was, he did it, that. It was like a classic jersey it was like, I don't know, I forget what it was, but I mean, it was, it was a legend. It was a throwback, but he's sitting on the Celtics bench with the Lakers jersey on. Like, what the? Come on. Now, obviously he was, he was obviously not active, but that back then there was no dress code. And so that, that was off putting to a lot of people. And Pierce was swept up in this. At that point, the perception of Paul Pierce is that, you know, he's brash. He's a, a little selfish. He's, you know, a little petulant. Like all of that stuff dogs Pierce for a few years. And it really comes to a head in the summer of 2002 because he is really the main guy in this FIBA championships, the world championships with now the world cup, that team fizzles out. They don't even medal. They finish in sixth place. They, they can't hit free throws. They suck. Like they're getting beaten by teams that they should no U S team should lose to. And Pierce is like the face of it all. Um, I don't know what you guys remember from that summer, but I do remember that Pierce was at, he came out of that summer. Like people were like, he had serious, serious stain on his image. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Um, he had a clash with the coach, George Carl. Yes. They didn't get along and that, um, contributed to the problems. Uh, and the whole tournament just the, the U S team just fell apart completely. Yeah, I mean, I think this was this was really um, the first inkling we had about you know Paul possibly having an attitude. Um, I think we 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 see flashes of it over the next couple seasons, and it and I, and I would say it culminates two years from now in that ridiculous Pacers series where he shows up in the post game press conference with his with his head wrapped with some stupid bandage and oh, yeah. um, he was either de- ejected and um, I don't remember if he threw his Jersey or walked off the court shirtless or something, but he, there were some games where, so there was, I almost feel like this was the beginning of, of that. And then that maybe where it peaked and the, the, the maybe Pierce should be traded rumors or, or something were we're starting to, um, we're starting to um, fester.
You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Put down whatever protein bar you're about to eat and go ahead and order a Built Bar. Check it out because it is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Guarantee you it tastes better than whatever you're about to eat and it's better for you too. They all have less than 200 calories. They all have at least 15 grams of protein. Some have 18, some have 20. They have low sugar, 3 grams, 4 grams, 5 grams, low carbs, especially in comparison to the other stuff that's on the market. And like I said, it tastes like a candy bar. This, The flavors that they have are incredible. Peanut butter, banana nut bread, coconut almond. Those are the options with nuts. They have others as well. Some of the options, nut-free, mint brownie delight, banana chocolate cream, black cherry chocolate cream, all delicious. Like I said, if you've got a nut allergy, get one of these without the nuts. If you've got a gluten sensitivity, they're gluten-free. Go ahead and go to BuiltBar.com and check them out. Compare the labels if you want. You're going to see that these are not only the best-tasting protein bars on the market, they're good for you too, and you can eat them in a variety of ways. I've seen some people are talking about putting them in the freezer. Uh, some people are using them for breakfast, some for lunch, some after workouts. They're really good, and they're good for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, get yourself a box, either your favorite flavor or a mixed box. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get $10 off your first purchase. The promo code is Locked On for $10 off your first purchase at BuiltBar.com. So, yeah, so I think with that FIBA thing, that was – that was. but we had another big event with the Celtics that maybe in that summer that that overshined that um, that performance. Do we, do we recall what happened in in the summer? Is are you talking about? Well, there's two things that happened that summer. Um, I'm going to stay on the court and say that the Celtics. I'm, I don't think this is what you're talking about. But the Celtics did trade Kenny Anderson, Joe Forte, and Vitali Potempenko for Vin Baker. The arrival of Vin Baker. I was I was I was, I, I was getting Vin Baker. Yes, you were. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Celtics. The Celtics went and got Vin Baker, which is, I mean, at that point, that was huge. And first of all, let me just give a, a plug to uh, rejecting the screen uh, with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko on the Lockdown Podcast Network. They they just recently, within the past couple of weeks, had Vin Baker on. And it's a great interview. Uh, they, they keep it mostly on the court. But he does acknowledge that at, at this time when he comes to Boston, he obviously had been dealing with substance abuse issues. But at the time, we saw a Vin Baker who was a four-time All-Star with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Seattle Supersonics. He had a stretch there where he was averaging like somewhere around 20 and 10. He was a legitimate All-Star player as a 4-5 and things started to tail off for him in Seattle. And when the Celtics made that trade, it felt like, he, you know, here's a guy, former All-Star, though he was a few years removed from that deal, uh, from, from that, that level of play. It felt like, hey, we're getting ourselves a 31-year-old guy who just needs a change of scenery. Seattle didn't work out for him. He was great in Milwaukee. He he. he tailed off in Seattle. 
that's not working out well for them over there. This is going to be a change of scenery coming back home to New England. He went to Hartford. You're like, this is, this is going to be something that, uh, is, is good for him. And, and I thought it was, I was excited for the, for the Vin Baker signing or trade. I know what the other thing was, though, Chuck. The Celtics were sold to Wick Grosbeck and his friends. That's right. <laughs> that had completely slipped my mind. I was so I was so fascinated with the with the Ben Baker deal uh, <laughs> that I forgot that there was a yeah. I mean, what a significant what oh. a significant uh, uh, transaction. Wow. The fall of two thousand two, before the two thousand two two thousand three season, Wick Grosbeck comes in and buys the team along with a, a group of, of people, but Wick Grosbeck is the face of the ownership group, uh, bought the team from Paul Gaston. The, um, I, I just want to, I just want to say, I, I didn't have quite the optimism with Vin Baker that John had. I think my, my recollection of the deal was, um, that Vin's performance was slipping. It looked like he was, he had been losing motivation. Yes, there was this whole angle of maybe he can come back to New England and maybe, you know, rediscover some glory. Um, but he was, he was an expensive player at the time. I think he was, he was, he was making 12, 13 million. They had him, um, so they were committed to him for two years plus, and I think there was another year after that. So it was a significant investment. Um, and I think that that's what I remember is that they that they were putting their eggs in Vin's basket, um, and it was a bit of a gamble. You could you could see why they why they go for it, but I I just felt like this was the beginning of the Celtics always being up against the cap or never having any never having cap flexibility. Um, so I, I just remember that component of it, um, and then clearly. It's reinforced by, you know, Vin was such a disaster here. Um, and I say that with all, you know, with kindness in my heart because he, he, because of his afflictions and such. But I don't think at the time we knew, um, maybe the severity of what he was dealing with alcohol and depression and, and all that sort of thing. Um, so it just, um, it was, it was just, a uh, man, it, to me, it just was, it felt like, oh man, you know, patin- it, like it just seemed like a Patino move. It just was, it, it, I never was optimistic that he was going to perform well here. Um, and it just seemed like, ah, oh, this front office is still stumbling over itself. Um, and clearly I was right. I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what I, you know, when I think of Ben Baker and, and, and that sort of signing, I just thought, oh shit, they're doing it again. So, you know, but they, but who did they give up? I mean, they gave up Patop and Co, but that never like at that point they're trading. They traded away Kenny Anderson. Like I didn't think that at at that point, like Kenny Anderson was kind of done. I thought. I think they, they gave up future. I think for me, I'd have to we'd have to crunch numbers, but it just seemed like I don't know if Kenny was on an expiring deal, but I just recall them not being locked into Vin. Um, contract wise and that sort of eliminating flexibility. Um, maybe I had, you know, visions of them making a big free agent splash, but, but, but that's what I'm, that's what's stuck in my sure, mind. Sure. Sure. Um, he, I think the, the Kenny Anderson contract was, 
I, I think he might have had one year less on that on that deal. Like they locked themselves up for another year of um, spending the money. So they, the Vin Baker thing added another year of big money to their deal. I don't remember who was a free agent back then. Uh, it's it's hard to. Yeah. So I, I don't recall that exactly, but I was looking at it like Joe Forte, which goes down as one of Red Arbacks, like really like biggest whiffs. But at that time, at that point, like Red's welcomed kind of back into the fold, if I recall correctly. And he was really high on Joe Forte. So when it came time for that draft in 2001, the, Cel- the Celtics had three first round draft picks. Like I said, Joe Johnson, Kedrick Brown, and Joe Forte, they obviously had moved Joe Johnson already. Forte was just a bust. That was as that was the biggest bust, maybe the biggest draft bust in Celtics history, Joe Forte. Um, although, Kedrick Brown, <laughs> we haven't even talked about Kedrick Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Not much to say. <laughs> I, I just remember, and I've made this joke before, Like I, I remember like he hurt his ankle. Like he sprained an ankle and he was out for like three months with a sprained ankle. And he, it, for some reason, it always stuck in my head that Kedrick Brown took forever to come back from a sprained ankle. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was, like why it took so long, but I just remember the constant updates of like, nope, still out with that sore ankle. I was like, what are you talking about? How is he still out? He was. <laughs> And he was like super athletic. Like he, he was kind of like, um, I remember that he, he was a, like a big jumper. Like, I, yeah. Um, he certainly wasn't a, he was not a shooter. That's no, for sure. No. No. But I was, he was like, that, he was that raw, like just jump through the gym. What an athlete. We yeah. just need to polish him up a little bit. But I mean, you just look at his numbers. They were abysmal. Uh, in addition to having trouble staying healthy, he just, I'm not sure he was a basketball player. <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess not. Um, so back to the Vin Baker thing. I, it was very obvious that the um, the Joe Forte thing was a bust. So I, Kenny Anderson was done. Joe Forte was a bust. They gave up Potopinko, which I like Potopinko a little bit, but I thought giving up Potopinko at that point and getting Vin Baker, the the potential upside of getting mm. Vin Baker was it was it was worth that risk to me. It was worth that risk, and I wasn't I wasn't as well versed back then in the collective bargaining agreement, so I didn't really think about too much of the money and how it impacted things. So my my analysis at that point was just strictly as a fan, and it was like, hey, I I remember seeing Vin Baker at his best. And I didn't know about the demons that he was fighting and he never had a chance. He just, it, it was a disaster in Boston because he, he never had a chance against the depression and everything that was causing him to turn to alcohol and drugs in the first place. Like this, this was the end of Vin Baker's career and it wasn't, he didn't need a change of scenery. He needed rehab. And at that point, I don't know that the league was prepared to give, a guy like Vin Baker, what he needed. He ended up, by the way, managing a Starbucks down, down your way. Mike. In my town. Yes. Yeah. Where I live. And as soon as I read about that, I went there hoping to see him 
and he wasn't there that day. Ah. Uh, so, but, but uh, it, he's not there now. He's an assistant coach no, with the Bucks now. Yeah, he's turned things around, and you know, good for Vin. Like, uh, we all like a good reclamation story, like a good, a good success story like that, where a guy he he clearly hit rock bottom. He he found a way to recovery, which is important and awesome. And I'm glad that he's back in the league because he was a very good player. And I think Milwaukee's a great place for him. And the, again, back in that, that rejecting the screen podcast where he talks about, you know, working with Giannis and working with those guys and, and their responses to his story and, and sharing what, he went through so other guys don't like he had that obligation i'm glad that the nba has like this mental health program now and 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 guys like vin baker like the next vin baker hopefully there isn't a next vin baker because the next guy who's dealing with those demons can go into a program and hopefully find a path to recovery before his career tails off and and he he goes through a spiral like that so that's that's the Vin Baker segment. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Meanwhile, by the way, so Wick Grosbeck, just, just to kind of tie that up in a little bow they paid 360 million dollars for the team the boston basketball partners llc which is a group of many guys he's he's just the he's kind of the face of it his dad's involved steve pagliuca is involved uh there are others that uh but but wick's like the main owner so they get together. They they spend three hundred and sixty million dollars for the team. Forbes uh, in twenty twenty valued the Boston Celtics at three point one billion dollars. So if <laughs> if Wick ever decided that he wanted to cash out, <laughs> there's a lot of money sitting there waiting for him. The Celtics. I mean, can you imagine who who could even get that kind of money together? Like, I know three hundred sixty million dollars is not nothing. You know, but it, <laughs> that seems that seems doable for us, right, John? <laughs> it seems like we can get that together. Like I just scrape together a little. I'll just do like a couple extra podcasts. I'll scrape together my share of three hundred sixty million, and we'll get in on a team. I mean, it might have to be like the Memphis Grizzlies, but you know, we'll get in on a team. But now, shit, three point one billion dollars. Um, that's a that's that's a that's a big that's a big number. <laughs> uh, all right, so the 2002-2003 season, uh, the Celtics do make the playoffs, but uh, this is a a very disappointing season. Uh, Pierce and Antoine do uh, become all stars again, and the uh, but they they end up. Losing in the first round, they get swept out of the playoffs. Uh, this is after after the they, they, they win the they win the first round. Oh right, right. Sorry, they yeah. they beat, uh, yeah yeah 
This is this is yes, they beat the Pacers. This is the, so they beat the Pacers in that series where Paul Pierce is talking trash to Al Harrington, like the signature one of the signature yes. highlights of yeah. Yes. So you I mean you guys were talking about that earlier. I mean that 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 was that was a a, a big time uh a big time series where the Celtics end up winning that in 6. They do get swept by the Jet the the Nets in the second round of the playoffs. Um, so apologies for that, but they, but again, before we talk about that Pacers series, it's, it's still a disappointing kind of finish to the season for the Celtics after everything, after the previous year's run to the conference finals. Uh, if, if you really look at it, (laughs) there is some, there is some kind of, uh, parallel to what the Celtics have gone through recently where they had this big promising run and then they sign a guy and he doesn't pan out and they end up kind of getting bounced unceremoniously a little earlier than people had hoped. So instead of Kyrie, it was even Baker, but it's, it's kind of funny how some, some similarities uh, between those, the, the, the Celtics of, this era in the Celtics of the recent Celtics. Yeah. On the court, um, the Celtics did regress a little bit that season. And I think one of the reasons was, uh, as we talked about under O'Brien, they were emphasizing the three point shot. And in, in the O2 season that ended the O one O two season, they were first in the league in attempts and 11th in percentage, 36%. In this 02-03 season, they were still first in the league, but only 21st in per, in percentage. They they uh, made 33% of their three-pointers in 02-03, and that drop-off hurt them. Because if that was a big part of their game, then you know they needed to be making those shots, and they just weren't. I mean, yeah, you just look at the efficiency for Walker and Pierce. Um, you know, Pierce was shooting 41% from the field, 30% from three. Tuan was 38% from the field, 32 from three. So they, they were just not efficient shooters. Um, and this was Antoine's last full season with the Celtics. Um, he did not have a good year. Clearly, Danny was not a, not a big fan. Um, so this was really the beginning of the end for him. Um, but, but again, to try to be positive, you know, you, it's, we have that lasting moment, right? Where it's for us, it's, you just talked about his Pierce and that epic trash talk battle with Al Harrington where he hits that ridiculous deep three pointer. Um, so the Celtics were able to win that series. And when you look back on this, this season, I think that that's the lasting moment when in reality, it's really the most significant change is obviously Wick taking control of the team, Danny coming in at some point during the middle of the season, it looks like, because Chris Wallace middle of the playoffs. Middle of the playoffs is when he came in. Okay. Yeah. Um wow, they didn't wait until the off season to no. make significant moves. <laughs> yeah. Um so he actually came in uh right in the middle of the series against the Nets. <laughs> that's right May 9th. that's when he was introduced may 9th and they had a game that night they lost at home 
Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. So they, Danny knew he had a lot of work to do. I think we've heard him talk about it since then that he was not, he knew that this, that this roster was, you know, outside of Pierce, it was, it was just a bunch of, um, it wasn't championship caliber, um, regardless of what had happened, the, um, the year before. So he was in a rush to tear it down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, he was. The arrival of Danny Ainge. Now, Danny Ainge, as we said here, has no front office experience. And as you'll hear in the beginning of the next podcast, he is not exactly well received necessarily. Like we have hindsight to say, well, in Danny, we trust. We have seen Danny Ainge pull some good moves. We've seen Danny Ainge express some patience. Uh, he, we've seen him move people at the right time. We've seen a lot of good things from Danny Ainge. Not perfect, but a lot of good things, and we trust him as one of the best front office guys in the NBA. However, when he first got hired, that wasn't necessarily the perception. He has to earn that reputation, and he really is pulling the trigger on a lot of moves early on, including trading away Antoine Walker. That's coming up in tomorrow's Locked On Celtics podcast. So be sure to subscribe if you have not already, because then you can get the show directly to you in whatever device, on whatever app you use. You can also follow on Spotify if you'd like to listen to your podcast that way. Please do so. If you have done one of those things, then you can also rate the show five stars, give it a good written review, and let people know that they should be listening to the show as well. That's how we get new listeners. Think of it like a restaurant. When you're searching for new restaurants, you're reading Yelp reviews or Google reviews. This is the same thing. So if you like the show and you appreciate what we're doing, you can give that review and then more people will join in and listen to the show. That really helps me out because the more people that listen to the show, the more money I get paid by the advertisers. And that puts money in my pocket for the work that I'm doing without you having to pay me anything. So the show's free. It's going to stay free. But I ask you that one little favor. Also, if you can go to BuiltBar.com and get yourself a box of the most delicious protein bars on the market right now, go ahead and do that. BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On. And you can get $10 off your first purchase. I'm telling you, I've had them. I've already blown through my box. I got to go buy another one myself. I'm going to use the promo code locked on to get $10 off my first order because I love them. And I'm going to go buy myself some. And thanks to all of you who have sent me the, the, the fact that you've bought them. I know the few people that have talked to me about it, they love them too. So builtbar.com, promo code locked on. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.